We are in Ephesians chapter 5. So find Ephesians 5 in your Bible. And this morning we're going to read verses 25 to 33, dealing with spirit-filled husbands. So after you've found Ephesians 5, why don't you stand with me? Let's read it together. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Let's pray together. Father, as we have gathered together once again in your name, we are aware of the fact that the family is under great attack in our day and time. And we know that our enemy hates anything that you have established. And so, Lord, we know that the home has been established by you. Marriage has been established by you. And so, Lord, we have a desire to follow your principles and to have the kind of families that you want us to have, the families that you designed for your children to have. And so, Lord, uh, we know that that will only come as we do what your word says. So, Lord, help us this morning to understand these principles and know how to apply them in very practical ways, very tangible ways in our homes and our families And, Lord, we pray today as we uh, worship that uh, our hearts would be ready to receive all that you have for us from your word, that we would be ready to give according to uh, that which honors you and uh, what you have given to us in your word. Lord, we also pray that you would help us as we sing our praise, as we express our gratitude, that all of this would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, as we observe the Lord's Supper, uh, that we would just be reminded of the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf, that we would with great gratitude uh, live our lives with great devotion and love toward you. So, Lord, we pray that you would be honored, that you would use our time of worship for your purpose and for your glory this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When it comes to Christian husbands loving their wives, it is a fairly simple task. All we have to do is to love our wives the same way Christ has loved the church. Of course, that is easy to say and difficult to do. 
And yet, Ephesians 5 provides the standard for Christian husbands and wives. We looked at the wife's responsibility last time. Now we need to turn to the husband. As far as Christian doctrine, Ephesians 5, 22-33 is the single greatest treatise on marriage that has ever been written. The Christian marriage of two spirit-filled believers, as Paul describes it in Ephesians 5, is one in which there is the reversal of the effects of the fall and the resulting curse that was placed on marriage. Notice I did not say that the curse has been removed. That won't happen until the millennial kingdom. But the effects of the curse can be mitigated for spirit-filled Christians. Please understand, if you are a born-again Christian, you have all the resources necessary to make your marriage all that God intends for it to be. But you have to follow God's plan, and you have to submit to the Spirit's control. Now, the Scripture makes it clear that God has given the husband the leadership responsibility in the home. But that's not what this passage of Scripture says. Here in Ephesians 5 and 6, Paul is pointing to a description of a spirit-filled home where every member in the family is practicing submission for the sake of the others. And many times I've heard people refer to this passage and say something like, wives are supposed to submit and husbands are to lead. But this passage doesn't say that. This passage says that wives are to be submissive to their husbands and husbands are to be loving to their wives. And the husband's loving of their wives is also a form of submission. It is a submission to Christ in dying to self for the sake of one's wife. Don't miss the mutual submission here. There is no greater act of submission than to die for someone, and that's what this passage says that husbands are to do for their wives. For husbands, the example of submission is Christ himself who gave us the greatest example of submission in all of human history. Philippians 2 says that he emptied himself of all his rights as God and became a man to die in our place. So the message today deals with how we as husbands can love our wives as Christ loves the church. And I want to give you six important principles in fulfilling this vital responsibility toward your wife. First of all, there needs to be a commitment to oneness with your wife. Look with me at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, when you think about loving your wife the way Christ loves the church, the standard seems infinitely high, doesn't it? And we think to ourselves, I could never attain to that standard. 
But this isn't talking about attaining to the full capacity of divine love. It is talking about having the same kind of love that Christ has. Obviously, we cannot have it to the degree that Christ has it, for His love is perfect and ours always falls short of that. But we can love in the same manner that Christ loves the church. That's what this is all about. In other words, we may not be the ocean, but we can have a little bit of the ocean in our buckets. We can love our wives the way Christ loves the church. So we need to focus on the qualities of Christ's love for the church, and then we need to emulate those same qualities in our love for our wives. The first one that I see here is the way in which he initiated the restoration of the relationship with us that was broken by sin. In Romans 5.8, we're told that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, he took the initiative. When our relationship with God was broken and shattered and separated by our sin, He took the initiative to restore it. He did it by going to the cross for us. And listen, I believe that we husbands should demonstrate that same kind of love toward our wives. Anytime the oneness in marriage is not what it ought to be, we husbands should initiate the restoration of our relationship. And guys, listen, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know when things are not right between you and your wife. She sends signals to you. Sometimes you can tell by what she says. Sometimes you can... You can tell because she hasn't said anything for weeks. But guys, whatever it is that has affected the lack of oneness in your marriage, you have the responsibility to find out what it is and make it right. Otherwise, you're going to be piling one hurt on top of another until there will be no more communication and no more oneness at all. And by the way, very often the responsibility to restore oneness in marriage will begin by your leading out in asking forgiveness from your wife because you have hurt her in some way. That hurt can be real or perceived, but either way, you are the one that needs to make it right with her. Don't wait for her to do something. You lead out in this. And the kind of love that God expects from husbands demands this kind of response. Of course, we know that hurts go both ways in marriage. And there are some times when our love for our wives will require us to forgive her. But we husbands need to lead out in this restoration of the relationship. After all, if we are to love our wives as Christ loves the church, how many times are we to forgive? How many times does Christ forgive us? 
His forgiveness, of course, is unlimited. So this is how we are to forgive our wives. But not only are we to be committed to restoring oneness with our wives, secondly, there should also be a commitment to sacrifice for your wife. Author Richard Phillips writes, It's easy for men to think of dying dramatically for our wives in some grand gesture. But what Paul specifically has in mind is for husbands to live sacrificially for their wives. This means a dying to self-interest to place her needs before your own. It means a willingness to crucify your sins and selfish habits and unworthy character traits. Okay, preacher, now you're meddling. But going back to verse 25, there are several different words for love in the New Testament, as I'm sure you know. Really, all of these words for love apply to husbands loving their wives. The first one is the word eros, which is a physical, romantic kind of love. And, of course, this kind of love is very important in marriage, but this is not the word that Paul uses here. Another word for love is the word phileo, which is a term used primarily for friendship or fondness. It is sometimes called brotherly love, and of course the city of Philadelphia is named after this term. That's not the word he uses either. But the term that is used by Paul here in this passage is another Greek word that we as Christians are very familiar with. It is the word agape, and it means essentially unconditional self-sacrificing love. This is the kind of Love that Christ demonstrated toward us. It's the same kind of love that husbands are to have toward their wives. I mean, just think about it. Jesus Christ loved the church enough to leave the glories of heaven and to come to this earth and to become a man, to take on human form and ultimately to be ridiculed and spat upon and suffer the agonies of the cross. In the same way, the Spirit-filled husband is going to have a willingness to sacrifice for his wife. And if we're to have the same Spirit that Christ had, we must do it willfully and joyfully, not out of passive resignation. We're to do it motivated by a genuine love for our wife. The Bible tells us that it was for the joy that was set before him that Christ endured the cross. We're to have the same sense of joy in giving ourselves sacrificially for our wives. It shouldn't be a burden to us. It ought to be something we desire to do, motivated by our love for her. And listen, I know this goes directly against what the world tells us. I mean, the world says, be a macho man. Be a big shot. Don't let anyone step on your territory. Fight back. Demand your rights. You deserve more. Build up your ego. Grab all the gusto you can. Live for yourself. But the Bible says, die to self. Crucify yourself. 
Love your wife sacrificially. Now, guys, let's get practical here. When was the last time you did something special for your wife? When was the last time you both had an agenda and you chose hers? Listen to what the Bible says about this kind of love. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love does not seek its own. It says in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Personalize that. Put your wife's name in there. This is where it has to start. This is the kind of love that God expects us husbands to have toward our wives. And by the way, this kind of love is not a feeling. It is a verb. It is something you do. It is an action. It is an act of sacrifice that shouts, I love you, in a tangible way. Folks, aren't you glad that God's love for us was demonstrated in a tangible way? I mean, think about it. John 3.16 does not say, For God so loved the world that He felt all emotional about us. No, it says God so loved, He gave. He gave. He gave sacrificially. The greatest tangible expression He could ever give, that of His only begotten Son. And this kind of love has really nothing at all to do with whether it is deserved or not. This is unconditional love. It is not love that is based on any kind of condition. It is not love that says, oh, I'll love you if you live up to my expectations. No, it is love that is unconditional. And please understand, this is a command from God. It involves an act of our will. Is something we're to do whether we feel like it or not. It is something we're to do whether we think she deserves it or not. It is a divine command. It is our responsibility as a Christian husband. I mean, think about it. When Jesus came into our world to die for us, there was not a single person on this globe who deserved it. There still isn't. But God's love toward us is unconditional. And so ought our love be toward our wives. Well, we've got to move on. Thirdly, there should be a commitment to sanctify your wife. Look with me at verse 26. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Listen, Jesus' greatest goal for the church is to make us holy. Our spiritual welfare is his utmost concern. He is not nearly as concerned about our temporal conditions as he is about our spiritual well-being. And guys, that should be the same with us. Our first priority for our wife should be for her spiritual well-being, for her purity, her sanctification. True love always seek, seeks to purify. And by the way, this ought to be a strong word to all you young girls out there. 
If some guy comes along and he says to you he loves you and then he tries to get you to compromise yourself morally, that's not true love. True love purifies, exalts, honors, sanctifies. But getting back to husbands, guys, how do we sanctify our wives? Well, first of all, we need to make sure that we ourselves are growing spiritually because it's very difficult to be the spiritual leader in your home if you're not spiritually mature. Listen, if you're not getting in the Word of God yourself, how are you going to expect your family to be doing that? If you're not being faithful to the Lord's church, then how can you expect your family to be? If you're not busy in service and ministry to others, then how can you think the rest of your family is going to be? You have to lead out in that. And notice what Paul says is going to be the key to sanctifying your wife. What is it that sanctifies the church? It's the Word of God, is it not? What is it that is going to sanctify our wife? It is the very same thing. Folks, the message is clear. The Word of God must be central in our marriage and in our home. It is the Word of God that must guide us in all that we do. So men, how central is the Word of God in your life? You see, the more we give priority to God's Word, the stronger our marriages will be. But fourthly, we see that there's to be a commitment to enhance your wife. Look with me at verse 27. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. God's ultimate goal for the church is that it would become all that it was meant to be. His goal for the church is to be able to present to his Heavenly Father, a church that is pure and holy. And, of course, this is accomplished through Jesus' own perfect righteousness imputed to us through saving faith. But in the same way, the Spirit-filled husband who loves his wife as Jesus does the church will help his wife become all that God intends for her to be. Instead of having his own agenda for the family, a spirit-filled husband and father will have God's agenda for the family. It will have the same goal as Christ has for the church. Now, there may be a number of different applications for this principle, but one of those might be helping your wife find ways to get involved in meaningful ministry. Perhaps it might be watching your children so your wife can attend a Bible study or be involved in some kind of outreach ministry. Now, in one sense, I always hesitate to give applications because I don't want you to think that it is limited to this. But there are many ways that Christian husbands can be used of the Lord to enhance the spiritual growth and effectiveness of their wife. So the question we need to be asking is, what are we doing to help our wife become all that God wants her to be? Fifthly, there's to be a commitment to provide for your wife. 
look at verses 28 and 29. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Now, this is not saying that you should love yourself, okay? This is assuming you already do. Instead, it is saying that your love for your wife is to be greater than your love for yourself. And you know, a lot of guys spend a lot of time taking care of their physical bodies. Some jog, some ride bikes, some go to the gym and work out, some are really careful about what they eat, and all of that is good. We should take care of our physical bodies because God's Word tells us we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But here in this passage, Paul is saying that we need to have the same concern for our wives. We ought to be just as concerned, if not more, for the needs of our wives as we are for the needs of our own physical bodies. In fact, according to verse 31, God has made the two one flesh. So when you take care of the needs of your wife, you are, in fact, taking care of your own body. It's interesting that verse 29 uses the word nourishes. That literally means to feed. But it has a much broader usage than just to feed physically. It includes meeting any kind of need that she might have. How does this apply to Christian marriage? Well, again, Christ is our example. How does Christ provide for His church? Does He just reluctantly dole out just enough provision for us to eke by? No. He abundantly supplies everything we need. I mean, think about it. Does the Bible say, my God shall supply some of your needs if you don't get too picky or make too many demands or if you live up to my expectations? Of course it doesn't say that. It says, my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many needs of the church does God supply? All of them. And men, we need to do the same for our wives. We must emulate the Master in this regard. And men, this is, this is not just, you know, bringing home a, a good wage. This is not just physical needs. This encompasses every kind of need. Physical, emotional, spiritual. For example, one of the common needs that wives often express is the need for security. And that means that husbands have responsibility to allay any kind of fear that his wife may experience. And perhaps the first way that we need to apply this is to make sure that she knows, apart from the Lord, that she is the most important person in your life. It's not enough just to say that verbally. You have to show that by your priorities. You do that by 
such things as spending time with her, uh, calling her during the day, making an effort to communicate well with her, choosing her above other things like hobbies, etc., etc. There are a million ways to say to her that she is at the top of your priority list. Another important need is the need for intimacy. That means you have to share your world with her. And this, of course, means working hard to communicate with her and to listen to her. All of that is so important. First Peter 3, 7 says that we as husbands are to live with our wives in an understanding way. And you say, man, that's a lot to ask. Who can ever understand a woman? Well, guys, that is an ongoing assignment from God. We are to constantly be working to understand our wives so that we can best meet their needs. Now, this no doubt means a lot of different things. But one thing that it means for sure is that we are sensitive, understanding, and considerate toward her. Probably the most common thing that I hear from wives in marriage counseling is that their husbands don't understand them and for the most part are not trying to understand them. And men, we need to be careful about thinking that we have our wife figured out because as soon as you get to that point, she will change. Just take this as a lifelong assignment from God, okay? And know that you're going to have to just keep working to understand her. And I think I can safely say that most of us men need to be better listeners. We need to really work at that. And we usually think we're doing a pretty good job with this, but many times we're not as tuned in as we ought to be. And I think that once we see that this is an assignment that is given to us by God, those who have a heart for God will want to take this much more seriously. This is not just a good idea. It is something God has commanded us to do. Well, there's one last thing that we need to have, and that is a commitment to cherish your wife. A commitment to cherish your wife. Look with me at verses 29 and 30. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. I remember seeing Bill McCartney on the cover of Men of Action magazine several years ago, and inside was his testimony. He wrote, There are only a few great coaching jobs in America, and for 13 years at the University of Colorado, I held one of them. He said, Getting hired as head coach of the Buffaloes in 1982 was a dream come true for me. And helping to resurrect an intercollegiate program in disarray gave me more attention, more praise than I had a right to hope for. Now, all that, we know that part. But he went on, still, there was always an emptiness about it. I had everything a man could want, and yet something was missing. 
On the field, I had succeeded beyond my wildest dreams. But on the home front, as a husband and a father, I often felt like a failure. I was so busy pursuing my career goals that I was missing out on the vibrant Christian life that God wanted me to have. Finally, he said this. Then this past summer, a great speaker came to our church with a message that challenged my whole way of thinking. He began with a seemingly simple question. Are you a man of character? Yet it was the way that he defined character that especially convicted me. He explained, when you look into the face of a man's wife, you will see just what he is as a man. Whatever he has invested in her or withheld from her is reflected in her countenance. Now, I don't know what you think about Bill McCartney, and we could spend a lot of time talking about concerns that we might have about him, but we have to respect the fact that he acted on this conviction. And he came to recognize that he had not been investing in his wife as he should, and he resigned from one of the most prominent jobs in the country to make things right in his home. And we as Christian husbands need to ask ourselves if we are truly cherishing our wives the way Christ cherishes the church. You know, the word for cherishes there in verse 29 is a very interesting word. Literally, it means to soften or warm with the heat of the body. It is used, as you might guess, of a mother bird sitting on her nest. Now, I don't know if you men can relate to that analogy or not, but the Bible tells us that Christian husbands are to provide the same kind of warm, secure place as a provision for our wives. One author wrote that to cherish your wife means to tenderly, warmly care for your wife and to treat her in such a way that she knows she is treasured by you. You go back to 1 Peter 3. It also says there that husbands are to grant honor to their wives. What does that mean? Well, it means to hold her in high esteem, to value her greatly, and to consider her as precious. In 2 Corinthians 6.1, it says that we're to not, not to take the gift of God in vain. And the Bible teaches that our wives are gifts from the Lord. Do we let them know how special they are? Listen, do you pull her chair out for her when you go out for dinner? Do you open the car door for her? Do you do special things for her that let her know she's treasured? It's your job. Now, you might say, come on, preacher. Nobody does that kind of stuff anymore. That's just the point. Think about it, guys. Your wife knows that very few men treat their wives with that kind of consideration today. So if you do... There will be no doubt in her mind that she is special to you, and that can make a huge difference in your marriage. 
Why is it so important for Christian husbands to love their wives like this? Because the Bible says it's a picture of Christ and the church. Nowhere can there be a greater reflection of the incredible relationship that we have with Christ than in marriage. And guys, you are never more like Jesus Christ than when you are loving your wife like this. You know, there are a lot of men who want to be spiritual leaders in the church. But if we want to know if they really have true qualifications, we really should check out their homes. When was the last time they made a sacrifice for the sake of their wife? When was the last time they gave up something to meet the needs of their wife? When we look at a man's marriage, we see the true measure of a man's spiritual condition. If it isn't true at home, don't try to export it. It is only a facade everywhere else. Well, these are challenging words, but by the grace of God, this kind of spirit-filled love can prevail in our marriages and families. And when that is the case, God is greatly glorified. Let's pray together. Father, we pray this morning you help us to have the kind of homes that honor you. Lord, we pray that as we have heard the proclamation of your word this morning, that we would respond to it with open hearts and willing hearts, ready to accept your truth. Lord, I pray that we would respond uh, as we should this morning. If there are those that need to trust Christ, that they would do that, that we would uh, do what you would want us to do in response this morning. Lord, help us to be the kind of people you want us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.